Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast and being a part of our church family. Here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. How are we doing, church? Let's welcome all of the campus locations. We love you guys. Glad you are there. Glad you are here at Central. Glad Coffee House is rocking upstairs. Hey, I do want to just come and bring great news to you uh, because you were a part of this. So many of you invited people last week. And I'm probably going to share an email story next week that actually is an unbelievable illustration of what can happen when you just care enough to invite a waiter to church. Incredible story, but I'll save that for next week. But as a result of what so many of you did last week, we had close to eight thousand people at New Hope Church last Sunday for Easter. But that's not the really good news. Here's the really good news. 300, check it out, 384 people accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. Those numbers don't even include the 7491. They don't even include what happened in in Kenya in a place called Thika Town where we have a campus, Kenya campus. And uh, I want to show you some pictures because um, ministry at the end of the day is really just discerning needs of people and meeting those needs in the name of Christ. And... Our Kenya campus, I could not be more thrilled with what is happening there these days. They are doing unbelievable ministry. It is growing. It's exciting. And they had last weekend a Chipotle, not Chipotle, but a Chipotle. uh, uh, Yeah, some of you are like, y'all don't eat in that place anymore, do you? I I, I highly discourage it. Uh, Young people will hate me for that because they love Chipotle. Um, But they they make bread in Kenya, Chipotle, and and they put on a class, a weekend seminar, if you will. How many of you have had this bread in Kenya? Not that many. It is awesome. I mean, the food situation in Kenya is not that good, but this homemade bread that they make on an open fire is unbelievable. So they put on workshops last week. Look at these pictures. Look at these pictures. Here's the Kenya campus. They're having it at an outside park. New Hope Church, Karibu. Look at this next one. People just lining up to come and be resourced and taught how to make this bread. For some of them, it is a life and death situation. Look at there. Got some people serious with the chef hats on. Look at this next one. That's the, that's, that's the kids and the students in. That's your church building, by the way. That's your campus. That's your brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at it. Full. Look at this next one. Look at this next one. Oh, wait a minute for a minute. Hold on. Look at that dude on the left-hand side. Now, he's getting all up in it now. That's flour from cooking this bread. Now that I think about it, look at the sister on the right-hand side. She's got it on... Oh, look at the dude way down at the end of the table. Americans, man, we get a little bit on our hands. We run over to the sink to wash it off. They know how to cook it up in Kenya. Unbelievable. Will you remember to pray for that campus? God is doing great. Yeah, you can celebrate them. God is doing great things. All right, everybody got your, um, everybody got your storybook? Good, good. I know everybody in here doesn't, um, but you can go get them afterwards in the resource center. Those of you who have it, hold it up. Balcony, I want you, come on, come on, balcony. A lot of people in the balcony today. Hold it up, ready? Repeat after me. The Bible tells of the story of God. Keep them up. The Bible also tells me where I find my place in his story. That was a long sentence. I wasn't sure you guys were going to 
you done good. Here it is. Hold it up. I'm here to learn God's word. I believe what it says about God. I believe what it says about me. I believe what it says about us, the people of God. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So excited. So excited about the journey that we are on today. What I hope to do today is really just clarify exactly how we're going to go about this. Uh, It's more of an introductory week. If you have your table of contents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But go ahead and grab your teaching notes. And um, hey, if you got your three-ring binder, uh, we want you to do this every Sunday. You open that bad boy up, I'm going to go ahead and do mine right here in front of you. You open it up, you go to the very back. There's my Easter notes from last week. You open it up, listen closely, listen. Lord. Oh, ooh. let me hear him. You open it up. There you go. You put your teaching notes in. Ooh. You take notes. And at the end of November, you'll have a three ring binder full of notes on the word of God from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Be unbelievable resource for you for the rest of of your life. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but I used to be a student pastor. God bless students, man. And God bless student pastors. And you should still pray for the kids that came up under my tutelage. (laughs) Seriously, man. I I became a Christian at the age of 18 years old and I started doing student ministry. Um, I loved it. I I loved it. But student ministry, you need to pray for student pastors because it's challenging, man. You're trying to minister to to students between grades 6 and 12. Do you know what is going on in the human body between grades 6 and 12? I mean, hormones are bouncing off the walls. They usually like to eat the most disgusting things on the planet. And so student pastors normally feed them disgusting food. And it's just crazy. But I remember when I was a student pastor, I really, really, really wanted to get the students to read the Word of God. Kind of like I'm trying my best to get you to read the Word of God like never before over the course of the next eight months. And so I would share an illustration with the students, and I would, I would say this. I was like, okay, because like I said, the hormones, man. They're in puberty, hormones. It's crazy. So I'd say this. I'd say, all right, man, imagine talking to the dudes. All right, dude, imagine that she walked in one day at, at youth group, and she was, you got to use the language of the students, she was smoking hot. And I said, imagine that she, she took your breath away. You knew right away, I got to get to know this girl. And so you, you don't have the courage to say it yourself. So you send somebody else over there. And they say, hey, man, he, he, he wants to go out with you. And there's a party on Friday night. And he was hoping you would go and he'll pick you up. I said, man, what, imagine if she said, she looked you over up and down. She said, imagine she said, all right. And she sent back to you. Her address. I'd ask the students this. Now what you going to do? Now you got to keep in mind, that was before GPS systems. Young people like, really? There was a day? Yeah, you wouldn't believe it. You couldn't couldn't just throw it in your phone. I said, dude, what would you do? And all the guys would say, I I figured it out. I'd go to a phone book. I'd I'd go to old school maps. I, I, I would figure out how to get to her house. And then I'd turn it. And I'd say, God has given you a road map to the greatest life 
you can ever imagine. He has given you directions. He's given you instructions to tap into the greatest life you could ever imagine. The life that you're trying to find in popularity. The life that you are trying to find in dating. The life that some of you are trying to find in drinking. The life that some of you are trying to find in drugs. The life that some of you are trying to find in sex outside of marriage. God has given you the roadmap to tap into the deepest desires in your soul, but you have to read it. The Bible says in Psalm 119, why don't you read it out loud with me? Ready, go. Your word is a for my and a light on my path. Your word is a what? A light on my path. It's like it's like the headlights on your car. It's going to put you on a road. To tap into the life. Here's what I know. That all of you are deeply desiring anyway. Like you wouldn't be here on a Sunday if you weren't deeply desiring the life of God. See I know that about you. I believe the best about you. I know that there are a thousand things you could be doing today besides sitting here at this campus or any of our campuses. See you desperately desire the life that 1 Timothy talks about. Let's read this one out loud. You did that so well. Let's read it out loud. Ready? Go. Take hold of the life that is Take hold of the life that is truly life. The way in which you take hold of the life that is truly life is you get in God's word and you let God's word speak words of life over you, in you and through you. Blows my mind. Sometimes people say to me, God's not speaking to me while their Bible is closed. Hello. See, I, I believe the best about you. Everyone, everyone in here wants God to speak to them. Agreed? This is how he speaks to us. This is how he gives us words of life. So here's what I want you to do over the next eight months. I'm going to be very clear what I'm asking you to do today. I want you to read the Bible as though it were a letter from God with your personal address on it. Can you do that? I want you to make it personal. I want you to read the Bible. You might want to put the word love in there. Read the Bible as though it were a love letter. Hello. From who? From God. With your address on it if you'll do that here's what I'm going to do here's what I commit to you that I will do and by the way this is what I try to do every Sunday you need to know this about me I try I try so hard to do this every Sunday and I'm sure I fail miserably at times but here's what I'm going to do 2 Timothy 2 15 do your best to present yourself to who as one approved a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. That's what I'm going to do every single Sunday I stand before you to teach. And that's what the teachers are going to do every single Sunday that we, they stand before you to teach. We are going to do our best to present ourselves to God as ones who are approved and ones who correctly handle the word of truth. The Bible, this is in your teaching notes, is one big story. It's the story of God. 
And the beautiful thing about this story of God is that there is an upper story. There's a large divine meta-narrative, if you will. Whether or not you acknowledge it, whether or not you even recognize it. God is writing a story. And there's an upper story. And there's a lower story. And the most amazing thing that will happen in this series, if you will read this as a letter from God to you, is you will actually start to realize that God's meta-narrative, his upper story, his divine unfolding of God's drama in the world is up here and I'm down here. But God has miraculously and graciously included me in his story. And so I will start to realize and discern where my story and God's story intersect. And when that happens, that's when life goes to a whole nother level. That, that's, that's, when, that's when women and men start to experience the abundant life that Jesus spoke about in John 10. 10. I have come that you might have life and have it what? Now open up your binders. And um, by the way, we have these table of contents spread around the campus. But I want to kind of... I want to kind of show you where we're going. You, you want to know where we're going over the next eight months. So if you open up the binders and you go a few pages in, you're going to see the table of contents. If you don't have a binder and you choose not to get a binder, I don't know why you would do such a thing. But if you do, you can still go get the table of contents. We have them scattered around at the campuses. Here is where we're going over the course of the next eight months. So eight months is a long time. Amen. So what I've done is throughout this series, I've broken the series down into kind of mini-series, if you will. We're going to stay with the chapters of the Bible, the story, but we're going to read them right through. But they will be themed out at times. And the first one that we're getting to next week as we start to read the creation story is you might put it in the category of threads, if you will, or how to dress for success. And I'm going to talk about divine design. Hello. Hello going to talk about what not to wear. I didn't expect that. Talk about Egypt's next model. Then we're going to move into a season where we get to Moses, remember? Moses says, let my people go. We might consider that to be kind of a get out of jail free card, if you will. We'll talk about released and reprogrammed and reoriented and relocated, remember, from the wilderness into the promised land. Then we're going to start a section called the Hunger Games. Oh, the hunger for freedom, the hunger for love, the hunger for power, the hunger for honor, the hunger for lust. That's when we, we're talking about Stephen and kings get on the scene and shepherd to a king and standing tall and falling hard. We learn from their mistakes. Then, then I'm going to get into a section where I'm going to teach you about the five ways to wreck your life. Five ways to wreck your life. I said it earlier. I think it was this service. You know you can be a Christian and be all jacked up. Five ways to wreck your life. Here, here's the first one. Date losers. Oh, no, he didn't. Single person. You want to wreck your life? Date losers. Talk about it. You'll jack your life up. You date the wrong people. You say, well, they're hot. I don't give a flip. You need to realize beauty and integrity and character are far deeper than just skin level, surface oriented stuff. Come on. 
I, should, I need to stop right there and preach a sermon. It's welling up inside of me. Five ways to wreck your life. Date losers. Here's the second one. Listen to morons. Oh, if you're new here, welcome. I say what's on my mind. Listen to morons, man. There's a lot of morons out there. Listen to them. They'll wreck your life. Y'all messing with me. Y'all trying to get me off today. Live in fear. That'll wreck your life. Live in fear. Go with the flow. That'll wreck your life. Young person, go with the flow. Just be cool. Just try to fit in. You'll be the loser that I'm telling other people not to talk to. Y'all need to calm down. Hey, then, then I'm going to move on. Uh, worship yourself. That'll wreck your life. Then I'm going to go to a section I'm going to call greater. Greater. This is all from the Bible. This is just, I'm plowing through the Bible, so I'm not, making, I'm not making the Bible fit the series. I'm making the series fit the Bible. But I'll do a series where we'll talk about greater, and we're going to talk about greater than my loss. You know God is greater than my loss. God is greater than my failures. Hello. Greater than my position. Greater than my enemies. If you look at the table of contents right right around September, October, we're going to be electing the next president of the United States of America. The United States of America. Can't you tell how united we are today? You know what I'm going to call that part of the series? Jacked up. No. But it is jacked up. I'm going to call it Jesus for president. Some of you, and then don't go getting all literal. Jesus can't be the president. I know. But Jesus for president, some of you need to stop putting so much emphasis and passion and resources into politics. Because like my brother said over here, politics will jack you up. I'm not saying it's not important. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for our governmental officials. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't vote. Yes, we should vote. But if you are putting all your hope and all your faith and all your peace in political candidates, you are going to be utterly disappointed. If you think any of those cats, any of them, it's dismal this year. If you think any of them are going to help you or help this world get any better, you really ought to put the crack pipe down. <laughs> seriously, 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 seriously. Some of you are way too obsessed with politics, man. They, 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 some of you need to quit obsessing so much about who's going to get in the White House and start obsessing and worrying about who the Bible says is going to return on a white horse and put an end to it all. I'm just telling you, and I'm not anti, like I, I'm, I'm praying, I am praying for our country. But no mere mortal. 
will ever give you what you're deeply desiring, including your pastor. Man will let you down. Don't you put your faith and hope in man. You put your faith and hope in a crucified Lord who defeated death, rose from the grave, will forgive you of your sins, and secure your eternity in a place called heaven. You want to hear my titles for that part? <laughs> Jesus for present. He accepts the nomination. He announces his platform. He keeps his promises. Imagine that. He is assassinated. He wins in a landslide. Easter! Then we ended up with uh, all stars. We talk about playing through the pain and two-minute drill and the final score in Revelation 21 and 22. Come on, church. Who's fired up about the story? Never, ever, ever have I been so excited about teaching the Word of God to the people of God in the house of God. Can I get an amen? Lower story stuff. Here's where we're going. I'm going to finish my day here, right here. How, how, many of you, how, many, how many of you used to watch Deal or No Deal? Oh, I see some passionate people. I, I thought about shaving my head like Howie Mandel. I did. I did. I, I thought about shaving my head for this part of the message. How many of you think I should have done that? A few people who just love to see me jack my life up. <laughs> oh, it's good to laugh in the house of God, is it not? There are four experiences, four levels in which you can get engaged in the story. Four. And I want to talk to you about those today. And you've got to choose at the end of the day. The choice is yours. I can't make you do anything. It's your choice. So here's the first level, the entry level, if you will, to experience this eight-month series from Genesis to Revelation. Everybody say it, what? Write it down on your teaching notes. Personal reading. Personal reading. This is the entry level. This is the most basic level in which you can engage this series is you just do your personal reading. You grab your book. You find your favorite chair. Your favorite place, call it your thinking chair. I, I believe every great person, every great leader should have a thinking chair, a thinking place, a quiet place where you go. It's just your space, man. It's just you. Nobody messes with that space. Most of you know i got a place down in the woods. And usually a couple times a month when nobody's around the house and I'm working at the house doing my sermon prayer, I just walk into the woods and I sit on a bench and there's a cross that I have in the woods. It's where I go. It's my place. It's where I'll be reading this. It, whatever yours looks like, you find a place, you find a space, you find a time, and you read one chapter a week. Now, there is not a shadow of doubt in my mind that every single person here can read one chapter a week. I did it just yesterday. I read another chapter. Depending on your speed, it might take you eight minutes. It might take you 15 minutes. But I read one yesterday just to see what it take me. And I read slow and I highlighted and I took notes and I was done in 10 minutes. This is where... This is where you just get along with God and you read up. You read up. Everybody say read up. Yeah. You read up. You get a book. 
You go to the resource center today, you get one. Hopefully you get three. You buy two, we give you one free. You give two away to guests, people you want to invite to church. Invite them to this bucket list. Everybody wants to read the Bible. Even, even, even people who don't believe in Christ, they'd love to have a chance just to read the Bible. You give it away, you invite them to church. But here's where you read up. Let's read this verse of Scripture together. Let's go ahead and throw it up there. This is a great, great verse of Scripture. Ready? Go. It is to be with him, and he is to read it all the days of his life, so that he may learn to to do what? To revere the Lord God. Now, this is in the Old Testament. This is Deuteronomy. They're talking about the book of the law. So they're saying, it is to be with him. He is to read it. It will teach you how to love and revere the Lord your God. Let's continue. And follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees. This is where you read your book. You read your chapter. You take notes. You highlight it. And you see what God has in store for you. If you will read the story, one chapter a week, you will be able to answer the question, what happened between Genesis 1 and Revelation 22, and you will be able to discover the seamless story of the Bible and how your story intersects with God's story. Now listen closely, because I want to make sure I clear all this up on the front end. This is an abridged chronological telling of the Bible. Abridged chronological telling of the Bible. For those of you who know the Word of God, and that's quite a few of you, 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 you're students of the Word, you've been at this a while. As you read the Bible, I've never read anything like this, by the way, ever. So it's actually quite fascinating to me. It's a wonderful experience because I'll be sitting there and I'll be reading. I'm like, dude, that's Matthew. That's Matthew 10. But there's no, there's no verses. There's no chapters. It's just the chapters of the book. So there's not like biblical chapters and verses. So you'll be going, man, that's Matthew. The very next sentence, you'll go, that's John. That's how John put it. Oh, there's Luke. And, and So the point is, it's, a, it's an abridged chronological telling of the story. So what our friends have done, and they are dear friends of you. Randy was here a few weeks ago. Max is going to be here probably in the future. These guys have taken the Bible, and through a lot of work, they put the Bible in one chronological narrative of the Word of God. So you're, you're reading different chapters, different biblical authors together because they did the hard work to put it all together. It's fascinating. It's unlike anything I've ever read. Secondly, very, very important, because somebody will come up to me, I know you will, and you'll go, Where's Job? Why is that not in there? Listen closely. I'm being very clear with you. And they don't make any bones about it. This book, the story, has about 93 to 94% of the Bible in this telling of the Bible. So that means, for those of you real smart at math, <laughs> that means 6 or 7% of the Bible is not in here. That's not the author's way of saying they didn't agree with that or they didn't think those passages were scripture. No, no, no. These are men of God. They believe that this is the whole word of God. They believe in the authoritative scriptural understanding that God's word is divine. It's God's word for us. They just didn't include just a few passages of scripture. Listen closely. 
because it didn't fit into the chronological telling of the Bible. But I will try my best to probably hit some of those verses and passages while I'm teaching. I just wanted to let you know there are a few passages that are not in this book. Thirdly, and then I'm going to move on. As you read the chapters, you will read scripture, like I said, without the verses marked. But then you'll come across these italicized sections of the Bible. For example, why don't you go ahead and open up to page 41. And this is why you're going to want to bring the, the storybook and your binder with you each week because we will actually we will open this up. We will look at this. So if you're, if you're on page 41, you see that we are reading the story of Joseph. And look at the middle of the page. I think you're going to see this verse on the screens. Then Israel said to Joseph, I am about to die. But God will be with you and take you back to the land of your fathers. That's scripture. If you're looking at page 41, you can tell it looks like the rest. But then you get to a little section that's indented and italicized. That's not scripture. That's Randy and Max. And here's what they say. Jacob died at the ripe age of 147 years. Before that last day, he gathered his sons to bless them, pronounce their future, and give them ongoing responsibilities. Not all the sons got what they wanted. Reuben, for example, was chastised for an earlier sexual sin and became known as a popular sandwich in America. No, just kidding. <laughs> now that I think about it, I could kill me a Reuben for lunch, man. <laughs> Reuben, for example, was chastised for an earlier sexual sin that no doubt he had hoped his father would not remember. Jacob's last words foretold that some of his sons and their descendants would experience success. Others, hard times. Jacob adopted Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, as his own. This allowed Jacob to give Joseph a double inheritance as the one whose character had earned his trust and confidence. You see? Sections of Scripture. I wish they put more italicized sections because I really am enjoying their commentary. But I know from talking to them, they chose not to put that many in here because they wanted the focus to be totally on the Word of God. But every now and then, you'll come across this italicized, indented section. They're giving you some input, transitioning on to another point in the Word of God. I love what they have done here with the scriptures. So here's the first thing. What is it again? Personal reading. I'm going to pick up the pace and move pretty quickly. But, but here's what you need to know. You can come to church on Sunday without doing the personal reading. And you'll get a little something, something out of it. I, I think you will. But why would you do that? It would be like me, it'd be like me saying, hey, hey take, take a shower with a bottle of water. While you're standing beside this massive, flowing river of pure mountain water. Why would, you, why would you try to do such a thing when you can step into the river of God and allow God's goodness and God's teaching to flow into your life and bear much fruit? This is where you read up. Deal or no deal? Seriously? Deal? 
right. Attend weekly worship. Write it in. Attend weekly worship. Here's where you read up. Everybody say read up. Here's where you show up. Read up. Show up. Most of you have heard me share recently. I've done it a few times in the last six months. The alarming statistics that are now out about churchgoers in the Western world. It's actually pitiful. Statistics now tell us that most folks in America, even churchgoers, will attend church about one or 1.3 Sundays a month. May it never be said of New Hope Church that we were a complacent group of Christians who just kind of came to church when we felt like it. Some of you stay home from church because your tummy hurts. Or because your kids were arguing. Have you noticed how your kids act on Sunday mornings? Act like they done got all possessed with something. Have you noticed this? Single person, you know, dating people. You, you just need to know. Sundays, man. Thankfully, my kids are beyond that. They, they actually come. They, they don't do it. But when they're little, man, they, have you noticed, married people, have you noticed how you have a tendency to argue on Sunday mornings? Have you ever asked yourself the question, what is that all about? Why, why does our house turn into an octagon on Sunday, man? What is, oh, here's what's up. Kingdoms are clashing. Satan does not want you to come to church. Satan wants to keep you home. Satan wants to keep you fighting with each other. Satan wants to get you out on the golf course on Sunday morning. And God's word says, no, no, no. We are a people worshiping God seven days a week, yes, but once a week on the Lord's Day. If you follow me on Twitter, I tweeted this this morning, Psalm 128. The Bible says, this is the day. The Lord is what? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What if if on Sundays, new hopers, you couldn't keep us away from church? What if on Sunday, like there were, and, and imagine this, on your way, you prayed. You prayed for me because you know I need it. What if you prayed and what if you made sure that every single Sunday you were going to be in the house of God? Acts 2.42. Come on, let's read it out loud. Acts 2.42. Ready? Go. They devoted themselves to the... And to... And to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching. If you're sick, I get it. Like really sick, but not my little tummy hurts or, or my feelings are hurt. That's when you need to be in church. Take some pink Pepto-Bismol, man. <laughs> Stuff is of God. <laughs> and get your derriere in the house of God. If it ain't about new hope. If it's not new hope, go somewhere else. Like, go to church. 
You say, well, what about when I'm on vacation? Go to church. Go, go to another church. It doesn't have to be New Hope. Read your story stuff here at the beach or the mountains. Read your chapter, man. Go to church. If they're doing good stuff there, steal it. Bring it back. We'll do it. <laughs> go to church. It's as if the writer of Hebrews was was aware of what we would face 2,000 years later. And the writer of Hebrews would say in the, in the face of these statistics that I'm talking to you, the, the writer would say this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on. Everybody say spur. That's encourage. How we can encourage one another on toward what? And not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but what church? Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching this is this is where you read up this is where you what church show up this is where you speak up write it in connect in a life group this is where you this is where you speak up We are a church that firmly believes that life is better connected. Can I get an amen? amen? Some of you have never done life groups. You're like, dude, I am not going into somebody else's house. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they. I don't know if I, I don't know if they're gonna let me out of this place. I don't know if they're gonna have underwear on the floor and place be all funky and nasty. I just, I know you, man. I know you. Our life group host makes sure their homes or apartments or whatever is presentable and a place you will enjoy. They really do. We commit to making sure our life groups are no longer than 90 minutes. Life group leaders hear that. I haven't said that in a long time. Good God, don't have people over your house and keep them there for three hours. I would jet out your back door in a hurry. 90 minutes, people. Anything good, she says, preach. <laughs> Anything good can be done in 90 minutes. Ain't nobody got time for all that. 90 minutes, people. Wish you wrap up. The, 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 the talkers that want to sit around, they can talk all night long. Y'all can, y'all can watch the sun come up. 90 minutes, I'm out of there. 90 minutes, people. They're great, great life group leaders. And great hosts. And I thank God for you folks. I'm sitting here looking at some of you. Thank God for you. Yeah. But some of you have never gotten in a life group. Or you did at one point in time. It was awesome. Whatever reason you, you, you fell out. I get it. Life happens. How about for the next eight months you get back in a life group? We need leaders and we need hosts. Some of you have a wonderful apartment or duplex or a nice home that you could host a life group in. Doesn't have to be a fancy smancy home. Can be, but it doesn't have to be. This is where you speak up. This is where you connect the dots. This is where you have intimacy. This is where you have community. Some of you've been running your whole life. You're afraid of intimacy. Your story's jacked up, and you've got walls around your heart so thick, so big. What if during the story you just let those walls come down and you 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 develop some deep friendships? Life's better connected. You were not intended to do life alone. 
No man, no woman is an island unto themselves. You say, how do I do it? Tomorrow night, 6.30, right here. It's called group link. Everybody say group link. You come here, we will help you get in a group. You say, what if I show up and I hate those people? <laughs> Number one, you shouldn't hate people. <laughs> Love them. God does, you can work on it. You change the life group. We don't like put you in a life group and say, dude, you can't leave. <laughs> Change your life group, man. It's not that big of a deal. Chances are you're going to love it, though. Or chances are you'll be in there with somebody that you, they, they drive you crazy. They get on your last nerve. <laughs> Maybe that's the person God wants you to learn how to love. Maybe the very reason you're in there is because the problem's not that person. The problem's you, and you need to get over yourself and build a bridge and get over it and learn to love them. Verse of Scripture. Let's go to it. I think it's Acts 5. Acts 5, 42. Go. Day after day. In the temple courts and from house to house. Let's continue. They never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. House to house. Day after day. They proclaimed. I don't know if I asked you about this. Deal? Deal? Or no deal? You going to be in church every weekend? Don't you lie in the house of God. <laughs> Don't say anything if it's a lie. Be quiet. But if you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna make a rock-solid commitment, I'm going to be in the house of God. Every Sunday, I'm going to show up, storybook in hand, having read my chapter. There'll be weeks when, there'll be weeks when you don't. Oh, I'm glad this is coming to me. Be gracious with yourself. You know what happens in things like this? Sometimes people start and they're fired up. I'm going to read the Bible. And then they read, 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 read. Then they miss. And they're like, oh, forget it. Dude, life is a marathon, not a sprint. Take a freaking chill pill and be gracious with yourself. And you don't have to, you don't have to show up sheepishly. Oh, I didn't read my chapter. It's okay. Part of, part of succeeding in life is getting back up, shaking the dust off, and going back at it. Be gracious with yourself. Deal or no deal? Read up. Deal or no deal? Show up. This, the, don't, don't you lie. This is where it can get harder. Because, by the way, there's four experiences. You can, you can tap in on whatever level you want. I'm going to do all four. I hope you will. But deal or no deal? Connecting community. Come on out tomorrow night, 6.30. Single people, allow me just to speak to the parents for a moment. Family time in the story. This, this is where you do what? You do what? Read up. Do what? Do what? But not too much. Don't go to a life group and be that person. <laughs> this is where you teach your children how to grow up. 
where you teach your children how to grow up. This is where moms and dads take your child by the hand. Proverbs 22. You train them in the way of the Lord. And the Bible says when they are old, they will not depart from it. Now here's what's fascinating. You've probably never heard this before, but when you really study the Hebrew of Proverbs 22.6, when you really get into that verse, train up a child in the way of the Lord, it actually means to train up your unique child in the way of the Lord. In other words, and most of you know this, your children are different. Every child is different. They are hardwired different. They have different personalities, different dispositions. Your job as a parent is to go to school on your children. Your job is to learn the love languages of your children. Your job is to try. Some children are harder to figure out than others. But your job is to actually go to school on your child, learn your child, and then raise your child in the way of the Lord. And the Bible says if you will do that, when they are old, they will not depart from it. The Bible also says in Ephesians, do not exasperate your children. Do not aggravate. Do not frustrate your children. I've had to... I've had to apologize to my children before and say, I'm sorry. What I just did, I just exasperated you. Will you forgive me? Parents, it is so key that we seize this eight-month experience. By the way, if you don't know, we have children's books in the Resource Center. Age appropriate. You can't read this to a four-year-old. You're reading this, you're reading up on your own, you're coming in here, you're taking notes, you're becoming a man and a woman of God, but then you're taking your children by the hand, you're not exasperating them, and you're reading with them these unbelievable storybook resources put on a child's level. It could be the single greatest thing you ever do for your legacy is to raise your child in the way of the Lord. I believe that 2016 can go down in the history of your family's life and in the history of my family's life, and I'm praying it for my family. I am praying that something so powerful will happen in 2016 that my children might not even be able to fully articulate it, but they will say generations down the road something happened in 2016. When our family, I'm not even sure I can remember what it was called, but I think it was called the story. Our family got together and got really serious about reading the Word of God. The goal of Scripture is not to get you through Scripture. The goal of Scripture is to get Scripture through you. Oh, oh. Some of you OCD Type A kind of people, which I can deeply connect with you. If you're not careful, your readings will just become, oh, check, done. Aren't I good? I got through my reading. <laughs> the goal is not just for you to get through Scripture. It's so that Scripture gets through you. And what if, literally, years down the road... All of our awesome children in Hopetown, by the church partnering with the parents and we discipling them on Sundays and you reading to them at home and praying with them. What if years down the road, the spiritual landscape of the Carolinas is different because we read the entire Bible with our children? Can you see it?
It's where you teach them how to grow up. You do know when I speak to you up here, I got all kinds of things going on in my mind at the same time. I'm speaking on a subject and then I got all these other thoughts going on. Usually there's two soundtracks in my head. <laughs> you know what you've prepared. <laughs> and then you fill in this thing that you should say, but you don't know if it's like the pizza you ate last night or the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I think I should say it. Some of you parents... I love you, and you know that. I'm a parent, and I've blown it a lot. Some of you are worried about the wrong stuff, man. Some of you obsess more over a flipping report card than whether your child's learning the Word of God. Don't get me wrong. Report cards are, are important. I, I, like, I want my kids to do great in school, and they, and they do. I'm so proud of them. They'll tell you, this old boy doesn't obsess over that. I think, I, I, think, I think success is in them. Leadership is in them. They're going to rise. They're going to be great, great people. Your kids are the same, same way. But here's what the deal. Your kid can get into an Ivy League school, but if he doesn't know Christ and get into heaven, it's all for naught. Some of you are so obsessed about your child, and you have this pipe dream that he's going to play in the NFL. Do you know the statistics? I hate to break it to you. There might be one in here, and his name is Abdul Adams, and he is freaking awesome, and he's got a full-ride scholarship to Oklahoma University. I love this brother. If you're out here, I love you, brother. You're going places. Remember me when you get to the NFL. I want to come to the game. But besides Abdul, Abdul, you in here? Hey, brother's awesome. Out of town. There might be one in here that's going to make it to the NFL. And I hate to break it to you. It ain't going to be your child. <laughs> this show ain't going to be mine. These little Kellys, man, they, they don't have a prayer. <laughs> NBA, NFL, come on. Some of you are so obsessed and you spend countless hours every single week and thousands of dollars on travel ball. And you let your kid miss church and you miss church all because of travel athletics. Oh Lord, I am in it now. Good Lord. Do I hate travel? I'm not saying I hate travel sports. But I am saying we made a fundamental decision. We weren't going to let stuff like that interfere with church. And the word. And discipleship. And guys, you know, like, I love sports. I coach. Some of you taking it way too far. Your child gets a B and you freak out. Like in the third grade, <laughs> you, you might need therapy, man, and some volumes and stuff, man. You, all the while, and I'll bring it back and get serious, all the while, 
you never even read the Bible to your child. All the while, you, you never even just try to integrate Christ and God and church and discipleship and integrity and character and all these kinds of things into your daily conversation. This is a golden opportunity for you and your spouse. Or if you're a single parent, oh man, my hat's off to you. For you as a single parent to raise that child in the way of the Lord. And you say, well, they say they don't want to. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I tell mine regularly. They're right here for me. So they, they, they made me a little hate when I share this stuff with you. But my kids are right. Like, you, how should I say that? I got to get off the stage. If you don't want to abide by the rules of this home, there's some options. I'll even pack your butt a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But as long as you're in my roof, in my house, eating my food. Oh. She, she, sister's with me. She said drinking my water, taking my electricity, sucking my oxygen. You in my house. Some of you don't let the world jack your parenting up, man. You don't exasperate them. I'm not saying be mean-spirited. They need to always know your heart, your door, your love is open. Hear my heart. But you're the parent. And God, Almighty God, has given you authority to parent your child in the way of the Lord. You are the pastor of your family. You, I've never said that before, you are the priest of your home. You are tasked by God to take thou authority and raise them in the way of the Lord. And you say, well, sometimes I don't feel like it. I know. Sometimes, dude, I get home and all I hit the couch and I start doing my exercise, that finger on the remote control, up, down, up, down. And I, I'm and the kids are about to go to bed. And the last guys, you know what I'm talking about. You go to the, you go to like the, the nobody box. Or the nothing box. Where you're not you're not they're not thinking about anything. Dudes, we're we're like this, man. Amy Lynn will come in, she'll ask me some questions, I just start grunting. Hmm. And then she busts my chops every now and then she'll say, What did I just ask you? But then I got to pull myself, literally pull myself off the couch or off the chair. Sometimes I feel like I'm crawling to their bedroom to take my little ones. I don't have to do it with my old ones anymore, but we talk, we, 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 do, we do the stuff we need to do. But the little ones, to take them by the hand. Say, so let's pray together. Let's read this together.
and let them see a reflection of all that they can be in God in your eyes. Deal or no deal? Read up. Show up. Speak up. Grow up. Choice is yours. Choice is yours. I hope you'll do them all. But just figure out what you can do, what works for you right now. And for God's sake, do it well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. We're going to show you a video. I know some of you are wanting to leave. Please don't leave. Don't leave. If you got to go to the bathroom, run! <laughs> run back. I can't stand. I, on another note, don't leave. Like, you'd think I'd be some sick pastor. Oh, they're here just for me. They're leaving after I preach. No. We're here for, we're here for the whole experience. Amen? Amen. So, so stay in there. And we only got one thing left. This video and the song. One of my favorite songs. The first one is Good, Good Father. We sang it earlier. One of my favorite songs right now. This next one we're going to do is my second favorite song. You've heard it. It's one of the church's favorite right now. But I want you to watch this video. Video is going to blow your mind. Just warning, going to blow your mind. It's all about the story of God. And then when we get up at the end of the video to sing a song, here's what I want you to do. Let it be a time of commitment. What experience, what level are you going to tap into the story? And so as you're singing at the end, and that's all we got left to do, one song and then we're dismissing you. As you're singing at the end... Just let it be your commitment, not to Benji, but to God. God, here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to engage the story. And then we'll let you be on your way. Love you guys. Check it out. Let me tell you a story. It's no ordinary tale. No, it's the ordinary from which every other story hails. It's the story of God. It's the story of history. And I'm not the author, no. The author is a glorious mystery. See, long before he would put his pen to the paper, long before there was time or before there was matter, he was there all alone. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God in three persons, everlasting in existence, completely satisfied, needing absolutely nothing. He was happy in himself and his joy was overflowing. The Son in the arms of his holy, righteous Father, the Spirit overshadowing, all glorifying one another. So why would this God even bother to create the fountain of all happiness? Can you improve upon this state? Well, the joy within himself welling up at such capacity was so full it must be shared with a glorious society. So the mighty author, quill in hand, to share his infinite mind, his love, his joy, sat down to write his once upon a time. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He made all things to reflect his beauty and his worth. Mountains, rivers, oceans, trees, all gladly testifying. Endless stars and galaxies declare his glory shining. He made it all and it was good. And to culminate his work, he fashioned man and breathed to life his special ball of dirt. Man came to life with blinking eyes and was welcomed by God's face. They walked with him every day and night. There was peace and no such thing as shame. God said, be fruitful, fill the earth, and eat from any tree, except for this one, because if you do, you'll surely fall from me. Now, why do this and give this choice? Because he is writing a story, and he's about to show the whole world the fullness of his glory. Conflict enters early on in the script with a snake in the garden doing what he does best, running his lip. Flashback to when this evil was created. He was an angel of heaven who fell when his head got inflated. Banished from God and from his endless mercy, he came down to earth to tempt us with the unworthy. So there in the garden on an ordinary day, he came to the woman and said, Did God really say that you should not eat from every tree in the garden? He must not want your happiness or you'd have total freedom. So pridefully they listened, sinfully they took, and scorned their creator as they ate forbidden fruit. Injustice, my friends, this is injustice. That God should be seen and then treated as a nothing. That man should completely forfeit his joy and dig for fleeting pleasures in the gutters of this world. Fallen now is all mankind and sure to face his judgment. A world of pain, of toil and strain and hell forever after. But God would make a promise to preserve himself a people. And through the brokenness of man, oh, could there shine a hero? The plot line continues, some character development, all supporting actors, all fantastic as embellishment. Noah found favor in God's holy sight, and when God sent the floods, he mercifully preserved his life. We come to Abraham, and God made him a covenant. He said, I will bless you, make your offspring abundant. To Isaac and to Jacob, God will come and do the same. And though many dangers came to threaten his perfect plan, the story would go on with the author's full control, and he would lead his people everywhere that they should go. Flash forward now 400 years, and Egypt, there's a Pharaoh who doesn't like God's people growing numerous in freedom. He made them slaves, but God came down and chose his servant Moses, a burning bush, a call to go. His presence was his promise. Moses, tell that Pharaoh now to let my people go so they can freely worship me in the place that I will show. Plagues numerous, God will prove that he is the I am, that Pharaoh's rule is like a pawn in his glorious hand. The waters part, the millions leave to follow their great Savior. He guided them, provided for them, though they were so ungrateful. At Sinai, God gave the law so perfect and so pure. His people soon discovered, though, they could not obey these rules. They tried, they failed, they tried, they failed, compelled to live in sin. They'd bow to worship idols, and they'd bow to God again. They said to God, give us a king, and that will make things better. God, their rightful king, assured them this would be a fetter. They insisted, God relented, gave to them their kings. Some were good, led them to him, some brought idolatry. Then came the prophets, turn back to God. Sometimes the people listened, but mostly they just gave a nod because they all wanted to be him. God will not wink at your sin, the prophets would all say. The people rose to eat and drink, they left to go and play. God finally seemed to have enough and brought a blaring quiet. The prophets ceased, the people waited 400 years of silence. Enter our protagonist, mostly unannounced. The plot is quickly rising now. Who is this guy? Nobody really knows. He's meek, he's humble, unordinary hero. But 
The craziest thing about this character is, well, unlike the other characters, this is the author himself. His name was Jesus. He was born of a virgin. Fully God, he was perfect. Fully man, he was learning. Different from all the others, but tempted just the same in every single way we are, yet without a single sin. He made the lame to jump and he caused the blind to see. And unlike the religious leaders, he had some real authority because he came from on high and he came to redeem, not to be served, but to serve his haters and enemies. He loved, he gave, showed us the heart of the author, claimed no glory for himself because he came from his father and we hated him for it because we wanted to be God. Despised and rejected, we esteemed him not. Conflict escalating now. It starts with a betrayal. Judas whores his eternal Lord for 30 pieces of silver. A final meal of prayer and then they head into the garden where Jesus sweat with drops of blood preparing for our pardon. The soldiers took the Lord away and led him to a trial. Are you the son of God? They say I am. There's no denying. Except of course for his disciples who left their Lord in fear. Jesus looked up to the sky. He was all alone from here. They led him to the praetorium and then they began to beat him. Who hit you? They would shout and say, oh, Father, please forgive him. They made his back a bloody mess. They whipped him till he lost his breath. They threw the cross upon his wounds, the weight of sin, 300 pounds. The great eternal Lord of all, the author of all things, now like a lamb to the slaughter, would this be his defeat? They nailed him to the rugged cross. They shouted out, where is your God? He said, have you forsaken me? He takes a breath, his final three. It is finished. The Savior's cry. And then he bowed his head. The author of life, the Lord of all, the Son of God, is dead. They laid his body in a tomb. Then everything was quiet. As God's people find themselves again in everlasting silence. Two days pass. On the second morning after Jesus died, Mary went to the tomb to take a look inside. And when she arrived, she was met by an angel. She fell to the ground, but he said, there's no danger. This Jesus, Jesus, is he the one you seek? Mary, he is not here. He is risen indeed. Climax is true. Every good story has one. That part where you feel a slight shift of momentum. Mary sprints to go tell the other disciples, the Lord, he's alive. He's alive like he promised. Peter and John go to see for themselves, but there's nothing there. Perhaps he truly lives Then Jesus' words came flashing to mind. They will kill the Son of Man, but after three days, he will rise. Momentum is surely building now. The enemy is limping. Jesus finds the 12, and then he gives to them the mission. All authority is mine, all in heaven and on earth. Go and tell them I'm alive. Go and tell the whole wide world, and don't get slack. I'm coming back. Acts now, the church is born, the Holy Spirit given. The news of Jesus, like the most contagious sickness spreading. Thousands saved, a mighty wind is blowing through the region. The promise God gave to Abraham, we're finally starting to see it. Repentance and forgiveness preached all in the name of Jesus. Sinners and saints alike proclaim our God has come to save us. The Gentiles hear the story and the news is blowing up. The plan is working. Gospel spreading from Asia to Africa. Martyrs laying down their lives because they know this story is true. It's a story like no other. It's a movement you cannot undo. Constantine tried to slow it down and turn it into steeples, but an angry monk from Germany wrote some holy gospel thesis. It spread like fire and then it came to America by sale and here we are the 21st century because the gospel cannot fail it's the greatest story that's ever been told by the greatest author the world has ever known but there is some still left to go yes there is some still left to go see go was the command 
to every tribe and nation to carry this great story to this dying generation because when this gospel finally spreads across the whole of earth we're going to hear a trumpet sound and Jesus will return heaven will be opened and a white horse shall appear and the one who sits upon it all his enemies shall fear his eyes will be like fire and his purpose will be glory justice for all evil life for all who love this story he'll come to judge the quick the dead and all who trod this world every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Death and Hades he will throw into the lake of fire and Satan too, that serpent foe, that coward, that old liar. The church will rise, surround the throne and clothed in glory his. With every tribe and tongue, we will worship him, singing worthy, worthy is the lamb, the lamb who has been slain. Blessing and honor, glory and power forever to his name. And for ages and ages, we will sing the praises of our God and King. It's the greatest story that's ever been told by the greatest author the world has ever known. Yeah, the bad guys lose, the good guys win. Jesus is Lord of all the Thanks for being a part of this week's podcast. If you have any prayer requests or praises, we'd love to hear from you. Just email our pastors and staff at prayers at newhopenc.org and we would love to pray for you. If you'd like to support the ministries of New Hope, just stop by one of our campuses or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. We hope you'll join us next week for the podcast. And thanks for being a part of our church family.